Genesis 32, verse number 22. And he arose that night and took two of his wives, two of his female servants, and eleven of his sons, cross over to the fort of Jacob. Jacob. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent them over what he had had. Then Jacob was left alone. A man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me alone, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And so he said to him, What is your name? He said, My name is Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. This morning, I want to preach on the thought, wrestling with God, wrestling with God. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you for your word today. We pray that you would open our ears and our hearts as we study your word and learn your word today. We pray that most of all that it would go forth to good soil, that we would not only hear, but we would obey your word. We pray that any distractions, Lord, that may come, Lord, we just pray that uh, we rebuke any distraction and we give our full undivided attention to the word of God this morning. And everyone said amen. We live in a world that is postmodern. We live in a contemporary world, especially in Christianity, where we're afraid to offend anybody. As a matter of fact, we're on this tolerance kick. We have to be tolerant of everybody's views, everybody's beliefs, because we are afraid to offend someone. The problem with that view is, is that when we become tolerant of everything, we respect nothing. And we live in a society where even church members get to a place where if they're offended, they leave. Because it seems like it's all about offense. You offend me, I put walls up, I leave. Talk to the hand, because the face ain't listening. That's the culture we live in. We live in a culture where we're prone to hear good things. We, we never like to be talked down to, obviously. We never want to be treated less than. And then when we come to church and read the Bible, we certainly don't want to hear anything negative in the Bible. I mean, God forbid that we're bringing somebody to teach us about hell in a few weeks. It's not a popular thing. It's kind of like a buffet, isn't it? If all you eat was cakes and cookies and ice cream, it probably wouldn't be a good diet. But it would be a great tasting diet, wouldn't you? I mean, it would be awesome, wouldn't it? Now, I don't know about you, but I love sweets. I love ice cream, cakes, cookies, donuts. If you're with me, just wave your hand and say, I'm with you, Pastor, on that right there. 
Thank you. I'm with you. Just wink at me if, you, if you're with me. I mean, who wants to eat broccoli when you can eat cookies and cream ice cream? Now, now, there's nothing wrong with sweets. Nothing wrong with cakes and cookies and donuts every once in a while. But if you eat them all the time, it's probably not good for you. If you always eat sweets, if you're always eating things that you shouldn't eat, it's okay once in a while, but having a regular diet of it, that's not good. And I can't help but to think, is that what we have done in the church? We have talked about all the sweet things of God. We've talked about all the good things of God. And somehow, we shy away from that mystery of God. We shy away from hell and we shy away from struggle and we shy away from heartache and trouble. We don't want to hear that. We just want the cakes and cookies and ice cream of the gospel. Sometimes we don't want to eat the steak of the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, the Apostle Paul said, be aware that in 1 Timothy 4, beware that in the last days, he said, in the last days, he said, men will become lovers of themselves. He said, he said, he said, even the Spirit now speaks urgently that in the last days some will depart from the faith and they'll give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. In other words, Paul said, in the last days people will listen to things they want to hear. You see, ladies and gentlemen, that's the culture we live in. We want to eat the cake and the cookies and ice cream of the gospel, but we don't want to hear the rest of the stuff. And I promise you, ladies and gentlemen, if you want Jesus to do something great in your life, you've got to have a well-balanced diet. You just can't eat the cake of the gospel all the time. Sometimes you've got to have the meat and the chicken and the potatoes of the gospel. Sometimes it's good that the preacher steps on your toe once in a while. Sometimes it's good that the preacher tells you, uh-uh, back away from that. Don't do that. But are we strong enough to do it? Are we mature enough to hear what Jesus really said? I mean, Jesus talked about heaven but yet he talked about hell. Jesus talked about blessings, but he also talked about sacrifice. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that it's good to hear the sweet things of the gospel, but let us not forget the meat and the potatoes of the gospel. Did you hear me? You see, God is a mystery, and you can't understand everything about God. I mean, listen, I've served Jesus all my life, and there are some things I just can't get. There's that mystery side of God. I mean, he's full of compassion, but at the same time, he's full of conviction and judgment. He's full of love and mercy and grace and faithfulness, but at the same time, he lets us have a thorn in the flesh. 
I don't understand God. Do you? How can God love me? How can God be faithful and merciful to me? And yet at the same time, Paul said, I've prayed and prayed that you would remove this thorn in my flesh. How in the world can God have two sides? How can God be loving and merciful? And at the same time, how can God allow me to walk through the darkest valley of my life? If you're not careful, you can become very discouraged and thinking, God is bipolar. But let me tell you, God is not bipolar. God doesn't have an issue. No disrespect to people who struggle with that. But you understand what I'm saying. God doesn't have an issue. He knows exactly what He is doing. And this morning, we come to one of the great patriarchs of the Old Testament, a man by the name of Jacob. Now, the Bible says that Jacob, his name means trickster. He was, he, he was a deceiver. Jacob had some things in his past that was shady. I don't know about you, but I think all of us have some things in our past that's probably shady. I hear an amen. And Jacob, although he wasn't perfect, Grandma Beaver, although he was a deceiver, I mean, he stole his brother's birthright. I mean, Jacob probably isn't the best man to be an example here. But the Bible tells us that Jacob went to bed one night, and the Bible says that when Jacob went to bed, the Bible says a man showed up. I just want you to look at it. Genesis 32 and verse number 24. Genesis 32 verse 24. Look at the phrase here. Jacob goes to bed one night. Do you see the capital M here for the word man? That word man is actually God. Jacob wrestled with God. How do I know that? Look at verse 28. Genesis 32, verse 28 says this, And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with who? You have struggled with who? Who was the man that showed up at night to Jacob? It was God. Listen, I want you to look at this story. Jacob, although he's not perfect, goes to bed one night, and God shows up to wrestle him. I'm going to say that again. Jacob goes to bed one night, sleeping in his comfortable bed, and God shows up and pick a fight with him and started wrestling with him. I'm going to say that again. Jacob went to bed one night, minding his own business, and God showed up and picked a fight with him. I'm going to say that again. Jacob went to bed one night, and God showed up and picked a fight with him. Now, why would God pick a fight with you? I mean, Jacob, Randy, is minding his own business. Went to bed, and God came to wrestle with Jacob. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me stop here. Let me stop here and say this. This is not the God they told me in Sunday school about. The God they taught me in Sunday school was a loving God, a God who holds his lambs, not a God who shows up night at night and wrestles you. 
Y'all, y'all remember growing up and you know those pictures of Jesus with the lamb or Jesus with the long hair knocking on the door? You ever seen those? I mean, those pictures look so passive. Those are not the images that I would describe Jesus here, but God shows up and he picks a fight with Jacob. That is not what they taught me in seminary. They don't teach me that God picks fights with people. You know who I call those people? I call those people bullies. They show up at night and they pick a fight with you. And that's exactly what God did. God showed up at night and he picked a fight with Jacob. I got to scratch my head and say, God, why in the world would you pick a fight with a man? But isn't that what God did? He picked a fight with Jacob. He wrestled with Jacob. Now, don't lose me because I think this is important. When did God show up? God showed up at night, didn't he? God showed up when Jacob was uncertain of what was going on. Isn't that what happens in our life? The greatest struggle in our life is usually called the nighttime. And usually when the struggle comes, guess what happens? It leaves us uncertain. God, what are you doing? Can you imagine how Jacob felt? I just went to bed, and God shows up to fight with me. He was uncertain of what God was doing. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever been in a nighttime of your life where you felt uncertain of what God was doing? Have you ever felt to yourself, God, this is the darkest time of my life, and I have no idea of what you are doing in my life? That's how Jacob felt. God comes to wrestle with him at nighttime, and Jacob has no idea what God is doing. I see myself in that. Don't you? Sometimes I have no idea what God is doing. Sometimes it's the darkest time of my life, and I'm totally uncertain of what God is doing in my life. He was struggling with God. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a place in your life where you felt like it was dark and you felt uncertain of what God was doing and you felt as though you were in a struggle? His will and my will. Ah, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you see what's going on in this story. Jacob, minding his business, went to bed at night and God picks a fight with him. Jacob wrestling in the dark. Jacob wrestling with God in the dark, uncertain. What are you doing, God? Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like it's dark in your life and everything's uncertain? You don't know what God is doing and it seems like it's a struggle all the time. Let me tell you something. If you feel that way this morning, you are in good company because Jacob was at the same place. And as I read this story, please church, I want you to see what the Holy Spirit revealed in this scripture. Right in this story, you see the writer 
who is Moses here, he says something I want you to see. Don't lose me. I want you to see in verse number 25. Look at verse 25. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now let me ask you a question. Don't lose me. Who was the person that Saul, who was the person that he did not prevail against? Jacob. Jacob. Now listen, Jacob wrestled with God and Jacob won. Is that what it says? Verse 25. Now when he saw, when he saw Jacob wouldn't give up. Jacob is in the fight. When God saw that, God said, well, you know what? It doesn't look like I'm going to win, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to touch his hip and knock it out of socket. Now, I'm about to shout up in here. I hope you all get this. Now, I'm going to say this one more time. You all with me? God said, it looks like you're not giving up. It looks like you're winning. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to knock your hip out of socket. And then verse 26, and he said, let me go. Who says that? For the day breaks, but he said, I will not let you go. God said, let me go, Jacob. I know we all want to shout about that, but that's not what I want to focus on. God said, let me go. But Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Oh, hallelujah. Hold, hold on, hold on. So, so who's in the battle? Jacob is fighting God. Now, God picked the fight. God picked it. But as they're wrestling, who is winning? Who's winning? Jacob. And what did God say? God said, well, since it looks like you're winning, I'm going to break your hip. I'm going to knock your hip out of socket. I've thought about this. Isn't that our lives? When we're struggling with God, and we tell God, I want it my way. I'm going to do it my thing. I don't care if you said I shouldn't do that. I'm going to do it anyway. When you're fighting and struggling with God and you are stubborn and you won't give up to God, God says, if you're not going to give up to me, if you're not going to let me win, I'll make sure I break you. Did somebody just hear what this preacher said? If you're not going to submit to me, if you're not going to let me win, I'm going to break you and remind you that I am the one. You see, that's what happens. Jacob was stubborn. Jacob was going to win come hell or high water. And God is saying, the issue of this fight is is I want you to know that I'm in charge, I'm the commander-in-chief, and since you're so stubborn and you won't let me win, I'll break you to prove to you that I'm God. And some of us wonder, why am I in the greatest struggle of my life? It could be you're wrestling with God and you're not letting God win, and God says, I'm going to put you through life, and I'm going to break you till you come to a place in your life where you said, God, I should have let you have your way anyway. 
Hallelujah. Did you hear me? And you know what? God touched his socket and he walked with a limp. Why did he walk with a limp? Because God wanted to remind Jacob that every time you got up in the morning and you started your day, I want you to have a limp for it to remind you that I was the one that really won the battle anyway. And if you don't submit to me, I'll break you to submit. Did you hear me? How many of you got a limp this morning? How many of you say, Pastor, I should have submitted to God long ago and I got in a bad relationship. Guess what? That's a limp. God told you not to deal with it. God told you not to do it. God told you not to hook up with the person, but you were stubborn and you did it anyway. Now you got a limp. Now you got to walk all your life with somebody that gets on your nerves because God told you not to do it. You got to walk with a limp. God told you not to do the drugs. He told you not to do it, but you did it anyway, and it harmed your body, and now you got a limp. What we want to do is we want to blame God for the limp. And God said, if you would have submitted to me in the fight, I would have never knocked your hip out of socket in the first place. Well, this is some good preaching up in here. I do say so myself. Somebody say amen. Jacob, a man that God picked a fight with. Why? Because God wanted to prove to Jacob, Jacob, you did it your way. You're stubborn. You took your brother's birthright. I'm coming to fight with you to prove to you I'm God, and you've got to submit to me. But since Jacob was so stubborn, he was going to win, God says, I'm going to knock your hip out of socket for you to be reminded that I was the one that's in control of this thing. Y'all looking at me like, I think you need to end this service so we can go home. <laughs> but no, I'm not done yet. Hallelujah. They told me in seminary, Lana, that I should never speak in tongues as you preach because people wouldn't understand. But every once in a while, I feel it down deep in my stomach and words English cannot describe. And I just want to lift my hands and talk in an unknown tongue once again. Can anybody just say amen? Woo! Woo! So you know what happens. You know what happens, Beth. God said, listen, he knocked his hip out of socket and said, Jacob, I'm changing your name. It's no longer Jacob. I'm changing you to Israel. Because let me tell you something. When God wins in the fight, he always gives you a new identity. Woo! Did you hear me? When God when God wins in the fight, if you will just submit to God, say, God, I submit to you, guess what God will do? God will say, baby, I forgive you. You're no longer Jacob. I'm going to give you a new beginning and name you Israel. But you see, the problem is we got two people living in us. We got Jacob who wants to do their way, his way, and we got Israel who wants to do God's way. And we got two of these people fighting on the inside of us. Jacob wants to be stubborn, 
And if you're going to be stubborn, God will make sure you get a limp. But if you submit to God, God says, oh, your identity is not found in Jacob any longer. Your identity will be found in Israel. Hallelujah. Did you all hear what this preacher said this morning? Hallelujah. He broke him. And why? Listen, listen, listen. I'm going to close with this. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Do you know when Jacob got his new name? Jacob got his new name when Jacob was broken. Did you all just hear what I said? Jacob got his new name, Israel, after the hip was out of socket. In other words, if you want to walk in your new identity, it only comes when you are broken. And I am convinced, I am convinced, I, I don't want to get wild, but I'm convinced that the problem with some of us is that you haven't went through enough hell yet for God to break you. You're too pious. You think your way is the right way. You think, bless God, I'll do whatever I want to do. Go ahead and do it. You know what God will do? He'll knock your hip out of socket. Don't you be coming up in here blaming God that I got to live with so-and-so and I got to live with this and live with that. You did it because you wrestled with God. He told you in the beginning not to do it. You did it anyway. God says, I got to break you. You come to a place in your life where you say, God, I don't want to be Jacob any longer. I want you to break me and make me Israel. How many times does the preacher have to preach on getting right with God and you are still stubborn? How many times does the preacher have to tell you, stop doing that, and you still do it? Go ahead and do it. Because God said, if you don't listen, if you don't let me win the fight, I'll give you a limp, and you'll live with it for the rest of your life. This is some hard preaching. But I want to let you know I didn't come to give you cake and cookies and ice cream today. I come to give you the word of God. How many times do we have to hear the same sermon over and over? God says, if you don't hear it, you don't let me win, I'll put you through life. And life will break your hip. Listen, all that stuff you went through in life, it ain't from the devil. Not all of it. Some of it's God's allowing it to happen to wake you up. And the reason why we ain't woke up is because we're still blaming somebody else for it. Sometimes we just need to stop in the mess and say, God, maybe the reason I got fired is you're getting my attention. God, maybe the reason why this has happened is because, God, you're giving me a limp so I can wake up and see what you want to do. Oh, I know we don't want to hear it. Because that's not the God we've been taught in Sunday school with. Why does God do it? Because the problem with humans is not money. It's not sex. It's not pornography. The real problem with the human race is called pride. 
The reason Lucifer fell was because of pride. God has a way of breaking us where our will is submitted to His will, that our pride is crushed under His anointing and His hand. Jesus said, not my will, your will be done. You say, Pastor, the Lord is asking me to tithe. Don't say you don't have it because you don't want to limp. The Lord is asking me to break off that relationship. Don't you dare go back. Because if you go back, you'll get a limp. The Lord is asking me to pray more. You better do what he asks you to do. Because if you don't, you'll get a limp and you'll regret it. God is saying, me and you, we're in a fight. You think you're winning. I even, I'm going to give you the impression you're winning. But in the end, if you don't let me win, I'll break you. Where you've got to admit that I'm God. I don't know about you. I don't want to live my life. I don't want to live my life with limps. I just want to wrestle. If I'm wrestling with God, God, you win. You win. Whatever you want me to do, you win. I know I've been taught this. I know I have all these reasons. But in the end, God, you are God, and you win. You win. You win. I'll let you win. Lord, you don't have to knock my hip out. I'm going to let you win. You don't have to let something happen to me to get my attention. I'll let you win. Ladies and gentlemen, I know I try so hard to be dignified. I mean, I try so hard to be dignified, but you know, I'm sweating this morning. I'm all into this because the Lord gave me a word to give to you. I got a word. You see, I just didn't get up. No, I got a word to give to you today to tell you you better submit to God or God's going to give you a limp. You see, so there's a difference with a preacher just getting a sermon, but today I got a word. And it was burnt. And you know what? Y'all acting quiet, don't worship. Some of you didn't want to worship. I was like, well, that's all right, because I'm still going to give the word. I'm not going to give you no cakes. I'm not going to give you cookies. I'm not going to give you ice cream. I'm not going to get up on the church pew and tell you how good you're doing. I've come to let you know that God wants you to submit. <laughs> submit to God. Quit making excuses. Let God break you. Or you will remain Jacob for the rest of your life if you don't allow God to break you. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Now, praise the Lord. I worked up a sweat here. Is this all right? Is this all right, somebody? Is this all right, somebody? Now, I know the Methodists are still in church, 1144. Matter of fact, the Catholics, are they're still in church too. They all don't get out to noon. So y'all don't need nothing to worry about. You still get to the restaurants. So I want us to do some praying this morning. Now I know some of you may be new this morning. And you say, boy, this preacher's crazy. Well, you know, I just find out. 
I have to be crazy. I was born in drugs and alcohol, and I had to learn way back then that if this thing wasn't true and real and it wasn't transforming my life, then I don't have no business preaching it to you. But my life was changed a long time ago, and there is a no part. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I said, come on, somebody. You see, you're looking. You're not looking. Now, I may not know how to play football, but you know, I don't really care. I know how to cast the devil out of you. I know how to pray for the sick and raise the dead. Come on, somebody. Now, they tell me I can't play football, but y'all haven't seen anything yet. Because y'all look at these muscles right here. I've been working out. It's, come on, it's going to be the new year, new me next year. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. No, but anyway. Y'all hear me? Are you fully submitted to God? Are you? Are you submitted to God in your finances? Is everything else comes first? Does baby soccer comes first before you tithe? Then you're going to get a limp. God's not asking if you have it. God said to give it. Well, I, well, pastor, he loves me. I mean, that cologne he has, he just loves me, pastor. Well, you know, if he doesn't have a job, he needs to pull up his pants. Come on, somebody. Comb his hair. If he's not in church, that's a red flag. And if the Holy Ghost can't bring him to church, you are not going to save him. Y'all hearing me? You see, people say, well, you know, I just love him. Well, I just fell out of love. Well, I'm leaving because I just fell out of love. It ain't falling out of love. Love is a decision. Sometimes you've got to wake up every day and decide to love that person. When is love a decision? Because we're, fr we're frickle. One morning we'll cuss somebody out, and the next morning we'll, we'll give to them. I mean, we're frickle. You can't base your life on feelings because feelings are not facts. And you can't believe everything you think. Come on, somebody. And just because you're offended don't mean you're right. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching right here. I'm offended. Well, don't act like you're right because you may not know have all the facts. Come on. This preacher got on an airplane one time with his lovely wife. Someday that'll be me. Anyway, he got on the airplane with his lovely wife. And the guy in front of his wife, the wife said to the guy in front of her, do you mind to open the compartment so I can put my luggage up there? The guy went, walked off. The husband saw that. He said, baby, just step back. I'm going to take care of some business up on this airplane right here. So he goes over to her. He goes over to him and says, sir, come here. And he just looks at him and says, oh, no. i got an S on my chest. You ain't messing with me today. So he goes over and says, what do you think your problem is talking to my wife like that? He went. He couldn't hear. And how many of us misjudge people because you don't got the facts and you're hot-headed? Y'all okay today? 
Y'all still love me? I love you guys. Give me an air high five. Y'all know I love you, right? Y'all know I love you? Y'all the best. But I just come with a word. I, I was burning. Listen, I got it. Whew. I started shouting. When you get the word in you, people think I'm crazy, but I just shout in my house. My neighbors probably think I am on meth or something. They just think I'm talking in tongues and running around. But I'll let you know, Jeremiah said it's like fire shut up in my... Woo! Did you hear me? Lord, we love you today. want to break us. You've told us to do things we haven't yet done. Today I pray for courage. Today I pray for your presence. Today I pray for your anointing. These people who are assembled under my voice that will be totally submitted to you. Not our will, your will, no, no, no matter what that is. No matter what it is. It could be anything. It could be our children. It could be anything. Whatever you told us to do, we're not going to continue to wrestle with you. We're going to let you win. Let us have submitted hearts. Hallelujah.